Hey, what's up? This is Josie Scott, the outlaw, OG, original lead singer of the band Saliva. And you're listening to Thunder Underground. Ladies and gentlemen, please, would you bring your attention to this podcast, episode 363. As always, I'm Trent, your host of Thunder Underground. And you will not hear any crying ass bitching from me about this week's guest. It's Josie Scott, the original vocalist of the rock band Saliva. You like that? I only, I only fit in three puns there in that opening statement. But I know for some people, one pun is more than enough. So I'll leave it at that. I'm going to hear in just a bit, I'm going to talk to Josie Scott about everything he's got going on now. Of course, his time in Saliva and some other great stuff. Talk about some wrestling. Talk about some music as we do here on this podcast. So thank you for joining us here on episode 363. Before we jump into all that, I need to let you know who the sponsors are. MedFarm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51, right off the highway. Can't miss them. One of the great things about MedFarm is they have a drive through and many dispensaries do not have that option. If you call, you can even text message, whatever you need to do to place your order, you can just zip right through and go through that drive through and be on your way. Of course, you can go through the drive through even if you haven't placed your order ahead, or you can even go inside to see their giant selection. If you want to check it out ahead of time, hit up leafly.com. Their website is medfarmok.com. Their socials on Facebook is medfarm, that's P-H-A-R-M. Instagram is medfarmok. They're always running specials on there. Another special that they are always running is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is very cool. But on top of all that, the reason you need to hit up MedFarm is that they are cannabis with a cause. 30% of their profits at all times, not, this isn't a promotion, this is 100% of the time, they give nearly a third of their profits to build no-kill animal shelters. This is a, a huge thing that, you know, is needed way more in this world. So hit up Med Farm If you're in the Tulsa area, you could be there within 20 minutes of anywhere you're at for the most part. So hit up Med Farm and be sure to mention Thunder on the Ground. Sunset Tattoo is a tattoo shop located in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. And most importantly, they are mother approved. If you call, text, email ahead, set up an appointment with Jake ahead of time, you can go in there, talk about what work you want to have done. He also accepts walk-ins. Check out all his photos of all his work. Instagram and Facebook are both Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. I've personally had work done by him. I'm going to have more here in the future. I'm very happy with it. I know several other people around here that have as well. He's also tattooed a lot of touring musicians. He's been doing this, like I said, for 25 plus years. So hit up Jake. Tell them you heard about him on Thunder Underground. We've also got DEB Concerts, our longest-running sponsor, who is continuously bringing great music to the Tulsa area for the last several years. Bringing bands to downtown Tulsa in the past, like Saxon and Last in Line and Junkyard, bands that I wouldn't think I would have seen in downtown Tulsa, so I'm very happy with what DEB Concerts has done throughout the years. They stepped into the arena game in this past couple years. They brought acts like Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, 
and Nelly. A couple times, a couple sold-out shows earlier this year from Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube. They've also brought in the Metal Tour of the Year, Megadeth, Lamb of God. Earlier this summer, they brought in Poison with Tom Kiefer of Cinderella and L.A. Guns. And they're continuously, like I said, bringing great acts to this area. If you follow them on the socials, they're on all of them, DEB Concerts. The website is debconcerts.com to stay up to date. And of course, we keep you up to date here as well. They also book the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year and bring tons of great acts there as well. Doug Burgess, who runs DEB Concerts, has been on this podcast several times. Great dude that's doing great things for this area. So huge thank you to DEB Concerts. All right, so it's been, I guess I should have looked at the calendar. I know it's been three weeks since I've been home because I just got home a day and a half ago after being in Florida for three weeks. I did put out an episode here while I was gone. The Simon Daniels, the vocalist for Autograph episode came out the week before last. That was a fun one, so check that one out if you get a chance, if you have not yet. I mention that because, you know, normally every time I do an episode, I, you know, spend a little bit of time before the interview talking about Something that's going on in the rock world, or talking about a new album or a concert I saw, whatever. While I was gone, I was working a festival in Florida called Halloween. It doesn't really fit into the genre of this podcast, but one of the acts on the bill was Portugal Man. If you're not familiar with them, sure, they're not hard rock or metal. But they put on a stellar live show, and they're always throwing in covers, which every time I've happened to see them, one of the bands they tend to cover a lot is Metallica, and they did the same at Halloween. I know they covered For Whom the Bell Tolls. They did like a medley of songs after that. They covered Nirvana and Weezer, and then they even covered Rain and Blood by Slayer. And it sounds great. You know, when you think of a non-metal band covering Slayer, how really how good is that really going to sound? But it came off great. So there's some random, random info for you. You know, the rest of the time I was gone, I did not see any music to report upon, but I did listen to a ton of music on my my drives, and I believe in the last episode I talked about that new Alter Bridge album, but that album is a contender for, you know, one of the top three or four albums of the year, so check out the new Alter Bridge album if you have not. So much great music has come out this year. I can't even think of what's come out the last three weeks. I know that that's a horrible thing to say. I'm supposed to prepare better for this, but... It's just time to get on an episode. So one major news story that came out while I was gone, of course, was the Motley Crue thing. And I almost just thought I'm not going to talk about this because I've spent too much time over the past seven and a half years talking about Motley Crue. And I don't like doing it as much because it always turns negative when it's coming from me. You know, when Jason was here, he always kind of brought it back a little bit for me because my negativity, my negativity always relied about around Vince Neil's live performance. And that's kind of what the, you know, the news was, of course, that Mick Mars has now stepped away officially and John Five is now the new, I guess they said touring guitarist. I don't know if they're ever going to record music or not, if that will include Mick or John Five. Kind of irrelevant because I think the last studio album, I don't think supposedly Mick didn't play a lot on. I think DJ Ashba did, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know. But the point of all this is another news story just came out a couple days ago that quoted a, quote, industry insider. You know, that could mean someone legitimate, or it could be, mean Joe Bob from fucking Des Moines, Iowa. Who knows? 
but someone said that the headline was Nikki Six made McMars cry before he quit the band. Making it sound like, you know, he was a dick to him and that's why he quit. But then you read the story and it really had nothing to do with that. And it had more to do with the fact that supposedly, you know, leading up to their stadium tour that's going to happen in Europe next year with Def Leppard, Nikki and Tommy were really pushing to replace Vince Neil, and Mick Mars wanted nothing to do with that. So, for me, as the proponent, the massive fan of John Karabi that I am, and the the very anti-Vince Neil live fan that I am, as I've said repeatedly, I'm a huge fan of Molly Crew and everything Vince Neil has ever recorded, I just don't want to see it live. So put that aside, whenever I hear that... I think, well, this is kind of a double-edged sword. Mick Mars, to me, has always kind of been the sanity of Motley Crue. And Mick Mars would make a very valid point whenever you say that the majority of people going to a Motley Crue show obviously want to see Vince Neil. The majority of people want to see the four original members. And going way back, wasn't it Nikki Six or Tommy Lee or all of them, who knows, way back when, said that there will never be a time when there wasn't all four, and of course that changed when Krabi came, and of course that changed whenever Tommy Lee left for a bit. And now here we are without Mick Mars, so now we stand here in 2022 as Nikki Six being the only continuous member of Motley Crue throughout the years, but they've never had less than three original members at any point in time. So if something like this actually happened, and that's why Mick Mars didn't want to be a part of this, then next year... If they actually did replace Vince Neil, it would only be two of them. And again, I know how sticky these situations are. I'm a hypocrite when it comes to this, because sometimes I back bands that don't have members that other people don't. Hence the Pantera reunion that is going on now. I'm all for it. I know that others aren't. That's fine. I've supported, you know, I mean, look at Megadeth, or there's a few other bands like that where... It's just one member where it's rotating around with different people throughout the years. Or you've got a band like Quiet Riot, where there's literally no one left. I mean, you've at least got a classic member in Rudy Sarzo. Or you've got a band like Foreigner, where at times there's no one in the live show that's an original member. Uh, Autograph is now that way. I just interviewed Simon Daniels. There's no original members left in this band. But I know that Molly Crew is a, a step above a band like Autograph or Quiet Riot when it comes to the amount of people that are going to show up and the amount of people that are paying attention. So I don't really, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I'm just saying that it's a kind of a double-edged thing because, yeah, as a someone that has stopped going to see Molly Crew live, I've seen Molly Crew and Vince Neil live many, many times throughout the years. I've probably seen Vince Neil live between Solo and Motley Crew. 15, 20 times in my life. And I can't remember a single one of them that I would say was even halfway decent. And I know that there's many people that would disagree with that, and that's fine. That's your opinion. That's great. Just like this is my opinion. But I think if they did replace Vince Neil, it wouldn't be a smart decision. For the grand scheme of things. The only way it would work is if it was someone that was current or someone that was massive in the same sense of how they replaced Mick with John five. It's someone that is 
when I say current, I mean not from the heyday of this stuff. I mean, John Five's been, you know, recording, playing live for 25 plus years, going back to the 90s. But he's an artist that, a huge fan of current hard rock and metal, that a huge amount of those fans are big fans of this guy. So that kind of brings more exposure that you might have someone that doesn't really listen to Motley Crue, but they're a Rob Zombie fan or, you know, a more modern fan of bands like Slipknot or Disturbed to all of a sudden be like, well, I want to check out Motley Crue because John Five's in the band now. So they might could pull that off if they got someone, I can't even think of someone that would work, but that you throw in there. Because if you just get a random dude that is from a Motley Crue tribute band or someone that would sound great and do it well, that's not going to appease anyone. Except me, I guess. And if you've got John Crabby, of course, I would fucking buy a ticket and fly to Europe, personally. But the majority of people, obviously, aren't going to care. So, I guess kudos for Mick for standing his ground. Because we all know that Mick Mars is a friend of John Crabby. And they're still in touch. And they, even a few years ago, John Crabby recorded two or three songs with Mick Mars from Mick's solo work that still has never seen the light of day for some reason. Hopefully now, maybe that will now that he's stepped away from crew. I don't know. It's random info. I'm sure that there's many people that disagree with what I just said, but like I said, it's all here or there. It's a monthly thing that I'm out here bitching about Molly Crew, I guess. But let's talk about something more positive, and that would be Josie Scott. Josie Scott, the original singer of Saliva. So a little quick timeline on this. Um, I think it was, I didn't even look it up. I think it was probably four or five years ago now. When I had found out that Josie Scott was living in the, the same area as me. You know, he lives in a town that's probably about 20, 20 to 30 minutes from the town I'm in. Both of us are right outside of Tulsa. I reached out to him on a, just sent him a direct message on Twitter and said, Hey, would you like to be on this podcast that me and Jason have going on? He said, yeah, that would sound great. Let's work it out. And then of course, as things go, we didn't ever work it out. Time went on. Now I'd thought about it throughout the years, but then just never made it happen. And then flash forward to September of 2022, Blue Ridge Rock Fest. I worked the festival. And that's something I talked about briefly, I don't know, two or a few episodes ago. I worked artist relations for one of the two main stages. And I had like, I think it was about eight bands a day over the four days, so 30 plus bands. And one of the artists that, as an artist relations stage liaison that was I was responsible for was Josie Scott. So I got the chance, you know, to meet him and help him get places he needed to be and get things done and he showed up he was there with um his wife Kendra who was great his son was there his manager PA few other people everybody part of his party was excellent people and it's always a you know I mean I've haven't dealt with many that weren't good people you know of course you always have a tour manager here or there that's upset about something but that doesn't mean that they're not a good person but it's always refreshing whenever you see a full group, a full party of people come in and everybody, you know, is easy to talk to, great people. So that was great to see. And I did mention whenever 
I was talking to Josie at one point that, hey, I'm from Broken Arrow right outside of Tulsa. And, you know, we started talking about that. So one thing led to another and I didn't bring it up then. I just waited until after the festival and then hit up his management and said, let's make this happen for the podcast. And sure enough, we did. So we recorded this and now this has been over over a month because I've been gone three weeks and I did it a week or so, I think, before I left. So we're finally being able to get this thing out. Josie Scott has got a, has got new music coming. That's something we talk about. So something really to look forward to. As he states here in the interview, if you're a fan of saliva, you're not going to be disappointed. It's not like he's turning into a, a pop star or a country artist. He's going to be doing exactly what you know and love from him. And he's back playing on the live scene. He recently played a show in Memphis, his hometown. I know he played in Durant, Oklahoma with um, Brett Scallions of Fuel recently, and they did a show up north. I think it was in Minnesota, maybe. And he had some other shows scheduled here in November, but I think most of those have been postponed to early next year. But with all that being said, he's back out, back doing this thing, back where he belongs on stage. And when he came out at Blue Ridge, and performed with Saliva. They had him come out at the end of the show. It was, uh, you know, at their performance. Their current singer, Bobby, performed a majority of the set, and then Josie came out for the final three tracks. From a personal standpoint, being able to stand on the side of the stage and see that live was very cool. Quite an honor. The man still sounds as good as he ever has, and that's something you love to see as a rock fan. As a music fan. I can remember the first time I ever heard Saliva. I was driving. I don't remember where, but it, it was somewhere here in Tulsa area. And Your Disease came on the radio. And this, you know, was at the turn of the century. Where, you know, new metal was a thing. And rap metal, you know, it kind of, you know, was a thing. And it was kind of, like, at the, in the late 90s. You know, it was kind of on the downward thing, I think, around that point. But the song started, the vocals kick in, and I'm like, okay, here's a new, like, quote-unquote, rap rock, rap metal band. Okay. But then the chorus hits, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is not your normal rap rock or rap metal band. I believe that, you know, I believe, if I remember right, that single came out, and it was before Every Six Seconds came out. It was on the soundtrack for... Shit, I should have looked that up. Was it Scream or Spawn? It was one of those horror movies around the time. And I actually went and bought the soundtrack just for that song. And the soundtrack was, you know, loaded with great, you know, hard rock and metal songs. Then the album Every Six Seconds came out. And of course, Click Click Boom came out. Another massive hit. But then when you listen to the album, kind of those two songs were the songs that incorporated rap pretty heavily. The rest of the album lent more just to his vocals, which I thought was excellent. You know, as a, you know, just a fan of huge melodic vocalists, Josie Scott, I instantly became a fan of him and that band. And just everything that they put out when, you know, during the time when Josie was in the band, I think it was six albums. So many great songs. My favorite saliva song was the title track from Survival of the Sickest, which would have been, I believe, their fourth album with. 
Josie, or I also love Holding On. Huge fan of that song. Broken Sunday. Let me think. Black Sheep. Southern Girls. I'm just trying to name some non-singles that, if you're not familiar with, you need to check out. But definitely check out Holding On if you never have. That song is fucking phenomenal. All right. With all that being said, I think it's time to start talking to Josie Scott. So let's just dive into this. Here's Josie Scott, the original vocalist of Saliva. a shrine shirt on heck yeah yeah i love that venue man yeah same here yeah it's probably probably my favorite venue around here besides besides the canes obviously i love how y'all call it the canes (laughs) (laughs) i know there's no the in front of it but it's just been i've been doing that my whole life so it's hard to stop you know (laughs) yeah it's it's an it's an oklahoma thing since i've become an oklahoman i've picked up on a lot of things that y'all say (laughs) and a lot of things you don't say like in tennessee when you run into one of your buddies you say what about it and oklahoma guys just look at me with this thousand yard stare when i say what what i'm saying is what about it what's going on you know it's another way of saying what's up dude and they just don't (laughs) get it at all so i've tried to break myself of that tennessee thing of saying tennessee type greetings and stuff like that because oklahoma guys are they don't they don't get that <laughs> you haven't heard that myself either because you've, <laughs> you've been here like quite a while now right over a yeah, decade i've lived here since <laughs> almost a decade i've been here uh i mean me and kendra got married in 2004 and i was still living in memphis but we we dated back and forth for the longest time and then we got married four and she lived with me in in bartlett tennessee outside of memphis for a few years and then we moved to um counts tennessee down by jackson and then uh the crime just got so bad i was like man we can't we can't and then once we had our second daughter in 2011 i was quitting the band and everything and you know just planning on being a a regular joe and raising my family and i said we can't raise our kids in this crime man we got to get these babies out of this crime infested area you know because i grew up in around gangsters and you know having to tote a gun and you know being afraid to walk down the street, you know, in some spots and stuff like that. So I told her, I said, we got to move. So when, when uh, we used to come visit her mother in Claremore and or actually in full right outside of Claremore at her little ranch, I was like, man, this is like Mayberry. (laughs) (laughs) We got to move here. Yeah. (laughs) So we moved, I think we moved here and, and, 2015 or 16 
Okay. Yeah. And, and like I said, we've been coming back and forth, you know, to visit her family and whatnot for Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. But once we, once I moved here, I was like, you'll never get me out of here, man. It's <laughs> perpetually 1984 here. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Well, man, you just did these shows with Brett Scallions. I mean, that's a great double bill between the two of you. Was that um, an idea that one of you had, or was that presented to you guys? I'm sure you guys were friends, you know, from past and all that. Yeah. Um, we, uh, he gave me my first gold record. I mean, he was a, uh, originally a Tennessee boy, yeah. too. And uh, they blew up in the late 90s. So, you know, we were always kind of in awe of Fuel and their success and, uh, you know, really super proud of him and and all like that. And then we got to tour uh, some when when I was on 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 the road with Saliva uh, and we played a bunch of dates on the road. And then um, we played uh, three nights at the house of blues in on sunset strip right there uh, across the street from this uh famous rock and roll hotel called the the hyatt they call it the riot house i think they've uh closed it or torn it down since then but it's one of those famous hotels like led zeppelin rode the motorcycle down the hallway and all that stuff yeah all that happened at the riot but we uh, we played there that night and he gave me a, he gave me my gold record that night, my first gold record. And he bought me a wall of Corona in my hotel room, a whole wall of beer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So we've, we've been, uh, we've been friends ever since then. And he's a sweetheart of a man. He's really, uh, Brett Scallions is, and his brother too, Greg, is a very dear friend of mine. He's the guitar tech for Filter. Okay. And uh, they're both, both them Scallions boys are just very dear friends of mine. I just love them endlessly. Is this the first time you had performed with him since way back then? Yeah. Yep. It's the first time. It's the first time I've been on stage. Well, yeah. I did a, a show here in town at, uh, at Safari Joe's water park. And that was a uh, awesome show, man. And, uh, kind of got my sea legs back, you know, and then, uh, got to go do those shows with Brett on the road. And his band is incredible too. He, uh, we, we actually shared the bass player and guitar player. Um, and, uh, his guitar player, Jason Womack, uh, is incredible and his bass player um oh i can't i cannot remember his name but he is he he was an incredible musician too um but yeah i enjoyed enjoyed playing with those guys always yeah no pun intended <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. so like with uh you're saying you shared the band with him on these shows you got coming up like at the beginning of November with seven year witch and seven stones, who's like going to be in your solo band. Mm -hmm. Have you got that set yet on your band members? 
Yeah, no, I have uh, Tasha Jones is my drummer. Um, she's like the, I call her the female Tommy Lee. She's she's a incredible uh, drummer from Los Angeles, and I have a bass player uh, from Australia named Mark Dalbeth who moved to Los Angeles, and uh, he's just incredible, uh, incredible musician, and he's gonna play bass for me. And um, my my son is playing uh, rhythm guitar, Dynamite Dylan, and um, uh, the lead guitar. Uh, I believe uh, I got this guy, uh, Sam Bam Colton. Uh, he plays for Faster Pussycat, and uh, he also plays for a band called Dorothy that uh he's just a phenomenal guitar player so i'm excited to be using him too yeah. maybe someday if i say my prayers i'll have my own band <laughs> <laughs> right well i mean you're working on i mean you've been working on new music right i've read that you are working on some like reworked versions of saliva songs and then i'm are you also doing new music as well i'm assuming no yeah i'm 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 planning on uh, I'm planning on on, on uh, putting out a new record with with brand new music on it. I got a new single that I'm working on called uh, Evil Knievel, and uh, I'm really excited about that. And uh, I want to get you know some new music out there. Everybody's uh, all the fans have been asking you know for new music, so I want to I want to hurry up and get some new music out there. And, and I'm not opposed to doing you know, some, maybe some acoustic versions or some, uh, orchestrated versions of, you know, uh, different saliva hits like always and your disease. And, uh, there's a couple of surprises, you know, some deep cuts that I want to pull out and, and maybe redo. Um, because a lot of those songs didn't get released as singles and, you know, a lot of people have haven't heard them and they were all those songs are were dear to me but you know the ones that are the hits are the ones that get all the attention and some of the ones that that you you pour your heart and soul in into don't necessarily get to see the light of day and uh i'd like to do some acoustic versions of those songs and and maybe get them out there as well you know have some surprises for for the fans and stuff yeah well the stuff you're working on like evil knievel is this would we expect that it sounds similar to what you did with saliva or is it going to have like a different feel musically no it's <laughs> uh it's the same it's my same playbook i've been running my whole my whole career um uh, i kind of started developing my sound in a in a band i was in called blackbone uh, back in the nineties, uh, we toured regionally around Memphis and we, uh, used to go up and play in Chicago and we did some shows out West and, uh, uh, I started to develop my sound in that band. And then, uh, once I got in, in saliva, you know, I took all the, I, you take all the mistakes that you made from the project beforehand and you, try not to carry those mistakes over into the next project and 
that's what I'm doing now is I'm just re- reinventing and reincarnate myself into uh, something that is my is my own. Um, and I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine um, named Malcolm Springer, who's a producer um, from back in Memphis, and he lives in Nashville now. And you know, I was kind of lost and trying to find myself and, uh, I was having some trouble, having some, some, uh, depression and anxiety, which I've, I've dealt with men- mental illness, uh, my whole adult life and probably my childhood too. I, I just didn't know what it was back then, but, you know, I was dealing with some, some depression and anxiety. And he told me, and he said, he, 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 he told me, he said, where's that guy that wrote uh, your disease? Where's that guy that used to walk around with his backpack on and his black blazer and that little green notebook up under your arm <laughs> writing lyrics all the time? Where's that guy at? He goes, I want to see that guy. <laughs> and, you know, it just you, you need somebody that loves you sometimes to shock you back into your skin, you know what I mean? And, and he certainly did that for me. He, he shocked me back into to who I was and who I am. And I, I just latched onto that. And I remember watching, uh, James Brown is one of my biggest influences. I love James Brown because he's so just righteously funky and just, Everything is about to, you know what I mean? Everything's on that four, one and four. And I remember that scene in the movie where he was going around the room telling the drummer, what is that instrument you're playing? And he said, well, it's drums, James. And he said, that's right. And he goes to the guitar player and he'd say, what's that instrument you're playing? And he goes, it's a guitar. He goes, hell no, it ain't. It's drums. Go to the next guy. And he'd say, what is that you're playing? He'd say, it's a bass, James. He goes, that ain't no bass, that's drums. And go to the next guy, and you know, so on and so forth. And he'd just go down the line and, and tell every instrument that they were a part of the drums. And that's where my heart lies in music is every instrument, whether it's the lead guitar or the bass or the drums or the freaking triangle, whatever you're playing. It has to be in that beat. It has to be funky and solid, and it has to be in that beat. And I had to get back to that. I had to get back to that Memphis bounce that I grew up with, that I learned from like Triple Six Mafia and Eight Ball and MJG and um, Al Capone, artists like that. And from, you know, Beastie Boys and uh, Run DMC and uh, Rage Against the Machine, you know, was a, a huge huge like man when Rage Against the Machine came out it was like a nuclear weapon hit my mind dude and I mean that's just always been that's always been what I what I've strived for is that renegades of funk type bounce uh with big choruses you know big big huge choruses and and honestly finding that place in my music where I can tell the truth about what's going on in my life. And I've had some, some hard 
you know, some hard things uh, hit my life in the past 10 years. But I've never stopped writing music. I think that that when you are an artist of any kind, whether you're a painter or a sculptor or a songwriter, I think when the inspiration hits you, you don't have any choice in the matter. It it comes and you can either record it or write it down or paint it or sculpt it or whatever you do right then, or, or it'll, it'll vanish. It'll, it'll be, it'll be gone. Uh, there's an old quote I heard one time that said, Edgar Allan Poe said the greatest poetry he ever wrote, he forgot because he didn't have a pencil. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I try to, I try to, when these things hit me, I try to, you know, write them down. I, I tell my wife, it's, I call them walk hard moments. If you've ever seen that movie, walk hard. Yeah. <laughs> I have those moments where somebody will say something and I'll be like, my eyes will just glaze over and I'll be like, guilty as charged, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'll come up with a title or I'll come up with an idea for a song and I'll write it down in my phone or I'll write it in my little notebook. I started carrying that backpack again, yeah. like Malcolm Springer told me to. And I, I started carrying my, my little notebook again, too, and, and writing stuff down when it when the inspiration hits me. Because if I don't, I won't remember it. So when, when you write something down like that and you go back to it, is it mainly just like a theme or like an idea for a song? Or is it like actual lyrics? Are you writing down like some kind of like rhythm in your head that you heard that kind of thing. It's a combo platter. It's usually, uh, if it's some of it comes to me all at all in one big piece and, and I've just sang it into my phone into the voice recorder and then I'll go over and, and write the lyrics down on my phone and, um, or, or also write it in my notebook. Um, but yeah, if I didn't, if I didn't have a phone, I mean, Sometimes I curse the day phones were made and then sometimes I, I thank God that they were made because if they weren't, I wouldn't remember half, half the stuff that, that comes up because I I wouldn't have no way to, you know, record it into, into some kind of technology and and save it. Right. Yeah. It seems like they're both a blessing and a curse. It's hard to remember how we survived without them, even though we obviously did. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think we're the weirdest generation too. I think Gen Xers are the weirdest generation and kind of the strongest generation. Well, I mean, maybe not as strong as the greatest generation back in the day, but I think we're unique. I'll say that because we're the last generation that was born before there was technology, the new people, the new kids that are that are being born will never not know when phones were here right. or weren't here. They'll, they'll never remember when phones were not here. They That won't be a part of their, you know, their uh, life. That won't be a part of, of their journey or their walk. They won't remember when there wasn't phones. And we do. So I think it's like, um, uh, learning to walk and chew gum at the same time, you know, sometimes. Right. Uh, 
trying to catch up with technology and and uh, and and everything. You know, technology's moving so fast. Even uh, since I left the band in 2010, I mean, 2000, uh, even uh, 2010 to 2022 is vastly different than it was uh, in 2010. You know, and I'm uh, struggling to to keep up with the technology i'll tell you uh, a quick story about that i i did a song with this band that i love recently a band called silent theory and they wanted me to come uh spit a verse on this song um they had like a cool hip-hop rap verse in the middle of their song and they asked me would i do it and they sent me the music and i loved the song and i was like heck yeah man i'm in dude so they flew me up to um, uh, Des Moines and uh, or up to Washington uh, State, and um, I went to the studio and recorded the song, and you know tweaked the lyrics a little bit, and then went into the studio, spit the verse out. He re-racked it. I doubled the track. And then I put, you know, some little harmonies here and there and then doubled my voice and all that. And then I was done. So we jump in the car uh, with the band. The band's actually managed by my drummer in Saliva, uh, Paul Crosby. He he actually manages uh, that band. So we all jump in the in in the in the drummer's uh, brother's truck and we ran to dinner and uh they said, uh, we're, we're fixing to go shoot the video. And I was like, right now? And he goes, yeah, we're going to shoot the video for the song. They're already set up, ready to go. So we went and ate some sushi, and then we left. And we went over, and they had this big setup with cameras and everything in this beautiful theater where they were – it was like an old Shriners theater or whatever, like from back in the 1800s. It was gorgeous theater. And I said, so – am I going to be in the video? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, well, how am I going to be able to sing along to my part? If I just recorded it in the studio and y'all are shooting the video over here to, across town, he goes, Oh man, it's already there. <laughs> and I said, what? He goes, yeah, what you recorded is already at the set of the video. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. And it sure was, man. They had, the verse I did was already over there and uh, already mixed and sort of had, you know, a little quick mix on it. And I was just in awe of the technology. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, technology's moving fast, dude. Yeah, absolutely. A bit ago, you mentioned, you know, being being inspired by different things as you've gotten older. And, of course, things that have happened in your life when you look mm -hmm. back at you know, music that you wrote 20 years ago, did the lyrics still mean the same thing to you that they did back then? Or does that change as well? I'm one of those guys, man, that the lyrics, the, the lyrics mean just as much to me today as they did the day I wrote them. Um, that's one thing that I'm really thankful for is that those songs that I did with Saliva have had such a good shelf life and you know 
we'll be riding down the road and uh, we'll hear it on uh, like turbo or satellite radio or whatever. And my kids will be like, daddy, that's you, you know? And it just, I'm just so thankful that that music is still relevant and, and still, you know, still able to be listened to with integrity. So yes, every, every word, uh, means everything to me because I mean, especially, you know, like, uh, like your disease or, or click, click, boom, you know, being a kid and being in my bedroom and looking outside and being like, man, you know, watching other kids play and, play football and baseball and stuff. And I was just like, I wanted to be a rock and roll star, man. I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a, a songwriter and I just had big dreams, you know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to do what the other kids were doing. And then a song like always where, uh, you know, a, a girlfriend of mine's sister was, was getting beat up by this guy. And I, you know, I was raised up in some domestic abuse uh, situations with my family. So it really, it really hurt me to see her being hurt. You know what I mean? And I can't stand it when, when, when somebody hits a woman, it just really offends me as a man and, and as a father and all kinds of different ways. So I wrote that song. Uh, I wrote that song about her situation with that man but I wrote it as if I was her. I wrote it as if I was singing from the female's perspective. So, you know, that one means a lot to me. Um, and every one of them have some kind of special place in my heart. And I think that is what touches the fans so much because the most popular thing I hear from the fans is, man, your music got me through a really rough time in my life. And I just, you know, appreciate uh, your music so much because it, it got me through a time where, you know, I didn't want to live or uh, I hated my situation or I was being abused or, you know, just a myriad of different things. Uh, and that's what means the most to me is knowing that that music, knowing that that music somehow touched people that I touched somebody's heart that I've never even laid eyes on. You know what I mean? And I've helped them in some kind of way. That means, that means the world to me. That means more to me than fame or money or success or any of this crap. That's, that's what it's all about for me is, is being able to touch people's hearts. I mean, speaking of the music with saliva, the Blue Ridge performance, like what was your first thought whenever you were approached about that or however that situation went. What was your first thought as far as yes, no, maybe all that was it excitement or no? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I was, ex- I was thrilled, you know, I was really, uh, really thrilled and excited, but I was like, my first thought was I got to get my ass in the gym. <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I was, you know, totally excited and, and thrilled and, you know, just totally looking forward to, to, um, getting on stage in front of the fans. And, 
and singing those songs. Um, there we go. It's a little better. Starting to wash out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was just totally excited about uh, getting to sing in, in front of the fans and uh, getting to perform those songs and, and getting to see my old friends again. You know, Wayne Sweeney is a dear friend of mine. Um, he was a lead guitarist of a band back in Memphis called TNA. And, uh, me and my best friend used to sneak into bars before we were old enough to even get in bars and drink. We used to go sneak into clubs to see Wayne Sweeney play in TNA because he was just the most badass lead guitar player I'd ever seen. He was like, Randy Rhodes or something. He was just a phenomenal guitar player. And um, uh, so I was really excited to see him again at Blue Ridge because, uh, you know, it had been 10 years since I'd seen him. And um, Brad, the bass player, I've spent some time with him on the road uh, because he used to fill in for Dave Novotny, our bass player in saliva when when dave would have something you know if a child was being born uh when his two sons were born uh brad came out and and filled in for dave on the road uh, so i got to know brad a little bit so it was good to see him uh and i had never met the drummer um uh, but she was uh uh samantha she was really nice um, it, it was cool to get to meet her and I was, you know, uh, curiously nervous about meeting Bobby. You know what I mean? I had never, um, met Bobby before. I knew his dad, his dad is a dear, dear friend of mine, um, who was, you know, there for me when my son died and, um, uh, I'll never forget that, um. Uh, so I already loved Bobby's dad and, uh, it was nice to finally get to meet Bobby. He's real, he's a real nice kid. And, um, uh, it's nice to see him continuing to carry the flag and the legacy, uh, for, you know, the fans of saliva and, and whatnot. I was proud to get to meet him. Like say when you first met with Wayne or walked out on stage, did it feel like, no time had passed or was it like an odd feeling? Oh, my, my, my friend, uh, asked me that last night. He said, what was it like when you walked out there? He said, what was it like? Nothing. Was it like you never left? And I, I have to say it, it kind of felt that way. It just kind of felt like, <laughs> you know, it's weird how you can spend a decade, you know, just, being a husband and being a father and, and, uh, you know, I was a drug counselor at a couple of, uh, different rehabs and, uh, you know, working a, a regular job, being a counselor and, um, just being a regular guy, you know what I mean? I mean, I'd get recognized here and there sometimes, but not, not, n not having to deal with the, the normal uh, things that you deal with being, being on the road and being in a band and uh, 
and um you know when as they say when the lights go down and the curtain closes you know it's different world but um you know being away from all that and then it was like flipping on a light switch just pow like there I was again you know on stage in front of thousands of people that knew every word of every song that I sang you know and it's it was just surreal it was just really surreal but I love every second of it I I am thankful and grateful for every second of it um I'm not one of those people that begrudges and you know I never understood when I was a kid how uh some people would get big and famous or or you know be popular because of the beautiful music they'd written and then you know curse their fame or or curse the fact that they had to deal with what they have to deal with from fans or from be, being recognized or whatever i just never understood that because i relished in every second of it this next question, I'm not asking this to like get a sensationalized answer or anything, but I was just curious. I know you're cool with Bobby, but uh oh, when Saliva did those, here it comes. <laughs> no, when they did those re-recorded versions uh, in 2021 of several of the songs from Every Six Seconds, were you? I mean, were you cool with that? Or, I mean, I guess it's the same idea as what you know you've talked about doing with acoustic versions or something. But yeah, I mean. You know, they have the right to do that as much as I have the right to, you know, do an acoustic version of Purple Rain or, you know, uh, an acoustic version of Back in Black or, uh, you know, any any song. They they have the right to do that. I don't begrudge them for that. I, I think, um, you know, they're doing what's best for for them and i can't i can't blame them for that okay but it i mean i hear you though you know it is kind of like watching <laughs> it's like watching your ex old lady with her new man or something you know right. it, it it's it 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 definitely doesn't um uh, it definitely doesn't go down easy right if that's what you're if that's what you're asking but you know, I'm a, I'm a mature level-headed person and, uh, you know, I, I respect Bobby a lot and, uh, I respect Wayne a lot and, um, and, um, Brad as well. And, uh, Sammy too, their drummer. Um, so, you know, I, I can't fault them for, like I said, for doing what they need to do to survive yeah. more power to them. Yeah. Well, in the past decade that you've been away from Saliva, did any other bands ever approach you about joining as their vocalist? I mean, I'm not looking for names. I was just curious if it happened throughout the years. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've uh, one one happened uh, right off the bat, man. Like, I think I left the band in 2010, and uh, this band came in 2012. And uh, they're like, all you, their manager called me and he said, man, all you got to do is go get on a plane. I need you to come down here and 
to Florida and we already got the songs written. All you got to do is go in the studio and sing them. And then I need you to, to go on the road. And he said, I'll write you a check right now for a ridiculous amount of money. And I, I said, no. Uh, but if I hadn't said no, I wouldn't have got to spend that quality time with my wife and children that I got to spend with them. I wouldn't have had my second daughter, uh, probably right after, uh, Jordan, we had justice in, uh, 2006, right after we, uh, were married. Uh, and then we had, uh, Jordan in 2011 and I wouldn't have been there, uh, for Jolie to be born, uh, you know, uh, in 2014, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been there for that. Like speaking of justice, he was with you guys at Blue Ridge. So obviously he's into the rock Are the rest of your kids into your music and the rock music or, or is it kind of all over the place taste wise, at least. No, they love, they love rock and roll. Justice is, uh, we call him, we call him little Eddie trunk because he, he is, uh, he's the rock historian uh, of the family. Like he can tell you every member of every band intimately, like every bass player and drummer that's ever played on any rock album. Uh, he's a big seven dust fan, um, which is ironic because seven dust was the band that we toured with the most when I was in saliva. So to see him be such a huge seven dust fan is kind of awesome, you know? Um, and, uh, he loves incubus. That's his other, uh, favorite band and, and tool is tools, everything to justice and Dylan. <laughs> that's their, that's their favorite band. But when you guys like say the whole family gets in a car to go on a road trip or something like what, what music's playing? Is that your decision or your wife's decision? <laughs> Oh no, it's usually the kids. Okay. It's usually the kids' decision. <laughs> and we usually listen to Turbo or Octane, you know oh, what I mean? Okay. Uh, I try to I try to keep up, you know, well, what's what's going on and uh what what the new stuff sounds like and what new music's out there and um I try to stay abreast of the situation <laughs> as they say. Right. <laughs> I know you uh, recently here in Tulsa got on stage with Poison to sing Nothing But a Good Time, and I know you've done that. I think you did that in the past with Brett Michaels before. Did you grow up a fan of Poison, or how did that connection come to Oh, be? yeah. <laughs> yes, man. I was a huge Poison fan Yeah, back in the day. Uh, I've always loved Brett, and he's always been so kind to me and uh, always invited me on stage uh, to sing with him, whether – whether it's with his Brett Michaels band or, or poison either one, he's always invited me to get on stage with him and, and do the encore. And he's just a sweetheart of a guy, him and CC DeVille, both. I love CC too. I've never really got to spend any time with Ricky or Bobby. Um, but I love them too. I'm a huge fan of both of them. Um, and uh, always been a, 
a huge fan of poison. I remember the first time <laughs> I remember the first time I saw their album cover. <laughs> I was like, damn, they're I was like, damn, them girls are fine as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know who this band is, but these <laughs> chicks are fine. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking Ricky Rocket was pretty hot, and then I found out it was Ricky Rocket. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I love Brett, man. Brett's a, a sweetheart of a guy. He's a good man. I mean, all the way down to to the foundation. He is uh uh just very charitable, giving good soul man he's just a good good human being he he's uh he is exactly what you see he is uh, you know you meet a lot of people in this business uh that that are you know flaky or um you know kind of you know one person when you see him and then a different person when you see him a, another time and he he's not like that he is exactly what you see he's a kind uh just a charitable good person good and dude. i love him to death good dude that's good to hear well final question for you i've uh been a big wrestling fan since i was a kid and i know in the your days in saliva you guys had a ton of stuff with wwe a lot of songs involved with either wrestlers or just those soundtracks like was that a good experience for you guys working with them yeah at the time uh uh jim johnston i believe was the music director over there i don't think he's with them anymore but he had wrote that intro music for stone cold and he wrote all that like he did all that drop d you know get heavy guitar stuff so that was right up our alley you know what i mean we we uh and we're huge wrestling fans especially coming from memphis you know yeah. i tell people uh when i was growing up there was three kings <laughs> there was jesus elvis and jerry lawler <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I grew up around Memphis wrestling and we used to go down to, uh, uh, they had, uh, WMC TV five was the big, uh, big NBC network in town, a big NBC affiliate in town. And every Saturday morning they would have wrestling live right there in the newsroom. They would sort of change the newsroom over into a, a wrestling arena and uh they'd set up a ring and everything and uh just had these amazing drama filled uh skits that they would do with these with these wrestlers and i i used to just eat that up when i was a kid you know and i grew up watching jerry lawler and randy savage and uh austin idol and bill dundee and and uh the fabulous ones and uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, uh, Ric Flair and all those guys, man, just amazing, talented wrestlers. And, uh, you know, it taught me a lot about the entertainment industry and, and how it works. And, 
just, you know, be, I was just fascinated with, with that as a kid. Uh, and then, you know, growing up and, and finally getting in a band like saliva and getting invited to, to write different, uh, intro music for, for different wrestlers. I think the first one we did was for the Dudley boys. It was a song called get the tables. Oh yeah. And, uh, so we did that one and, uh, you know, proved ourselves to, to Mr. Johnston and the WWE when we did that. And then they invited us back and we did, uh, Jericho's theme. Uh, we did a theme song for him. Uh, I think it was called King of my world or something. And then we did good on that one. And then we got invited back and did, uh, Batista's theme uh we did his theme song and he still used it th this last Wrestlemania when he came out he still came out to to our to our song and I was like that's pretty dope yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was just in Memphis uh I think it was in June and I was on Bill Street and I didn't even know that Jerry Lawler had a restaurant bar down there until I was just walking by and just happened to see it it wasn't there last yeah. time I was there a few years ago, but yeah. Yeah, he used to run for mayor every every uh every four years. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Did he ever get close or did he ever get a lot of votes? <laughs> you know, I I never kept up with that. I was always too young to vote. <laughs> right. <laughs> right on, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time with me today, and I'm really looking forward to hearing this new music once you get it out. Yeah, man. Thank you, Trent, for taking the time with me. I appreciate you having me. There you go. Josie Scott, the original vocalist of Saliva. A huge thank you to David Montgomery, Holly Hutchinson, and Corinne Hatcher, all for their help getting that interview set up. We did that on Zoom. Got that knocked out. Like I said, it's been a oh, probably over a month now, so I'm glad to finally back home being able to get this one out for you. Very cool stuff. Like we talked about that, there in that interview, be sure to be looking out for this new music coming from Josie Scott. I'm excited to hear it, as I'm sure many of you are. Look at, you know, follow him on all the socials. Look up his website so you can stay up to date for future announcements on future shows. Josie Scott's back, and that's a great thing for rock and roll, in my opinion. He just recently, actually about, I believe at this point, it's probably about a week, week and a half ago, he performed on stage with Brett Michaels in Miami, Oklahoma, which is near Joplin, Missouri. And that's something we mentioned there in the interview because he did it this past late summer on that concert I mentioned at the beginning, the DB concerts put on whenever Poison was here in Tulsa. And then I know he's done it, I believe he did it at Rocklahoma once, and I know I think he did it at the Tulsa State Fair with Brett Michaels. So obviously anytime Brett Michaels is in the area, he hits up Josie and brings him out, which is a cool thing. So there you go. If you uh, this is your first time listening because you're a fan of Josie Scott, man, there's tons of episodes throughout the years here. 362 episodes before this you could check out. One thing I do want to mention is that Scott Dillon, who is who has been working with Josie for a long time and I found out has been a 
a longtime friend, I think going back to like youth, maybe I spoke to him a bit, you know, at Blue Ridge. One time I called him on the phone and his ringtone was, uh, <laughs> excuse me, his ringtone was Kiss, I Was Made For Loving You, which I'm like, this is great. So we talked a little bit about Kiss there. So I need to mention here for Scott and for any other Kiss fan, Gene Simmons has been on this podcast before, which is one of the highlights of my life, okay? Just like talking to Josie Scott has been. And Bruce Kulik has also been on this podcast, which was another great one. So if you're a KISS fan, you got two great episodes you can check out. We've also had on members of Def Leppard. Vivian Campbell has been on here, of Def Leppard and Dio. Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses. Glenn Hughes, who was also Blue Ridge, of the Dead Daisies and Deep Purple has been on this podcast. But man, if you like Saliva, you might like bands like, what, Shine Down, Seven Dust, Saving Abel, Trapped, Trying to Skillet. All these bands, several of those bands are at Blue Ridge as well. Members of those bands have all been on this podcast. In fact, two members of Seven Dust have been on here. Two members of Corrosion and Conformity have been on here. Let me think here. We've had on all kinds of stuff from the 80s with guys from bands like Whitesnake, Winger, Warrant, Tesla, Great White, Kicks, L.A. Guns. Well, sat on some heavier stuff like White Zombie, Prong, Typo Negative, Helmet, uh, Testament, Megadeth, The Black Dahlia Murder, Kill Switch Engage. If you're a fan of Kill Switch Engage, Mike D, the bass player, has been on here before. But there's a very good chance that another member of that band might be on here very soon. So, with that being said, keep an eye out for that. Someone that definitely will be on here soon is Mojinko, the vocalist of Steelheart. I recorded that not long after recorded this episode with Josie. And that was a great one because I've been a fan of that man since that band came out. Just a phenomenal vocalist that is just, to this day, just unbelievable when you hear him. I've also recently had ones with guys from King's X. Michael Monroe was on here. So much stuff you can check out. So just dig back through thethunderunderground.com is the website. You can listen directly there. You can also listen pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, Mixcloud. Wherever you're listening, be sure to click like or subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Follow Thunder Underground on all the socials. Anytime you see a post, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, if you like, share, retweet, follow comment. Any of that stuff's an easy free way to help out this podcast. It helps spread the word around. More people see it. It definitely helps. I've also got t-shirts, koozies, shot glasses, guitar picks, stickers, magnets, all that great stuff for sale. If you would like some. So hit me up, message. If you see me in person, do it that way as well. All right. I think it's time to get out of here. Once again, a massive thank you to Med Farm, Sunset Tattoo, DEB Concerts, and Josie Scott. And until next time. I'm old, man. I, fuck this technology, dog. I hate this shit. Thunder Underground, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>